Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Ba 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 ba. It is season two of Hi, I Think You're Nice, the podcast where I speak to a nice person about nice things for about an hour. I am so thrilled to be back. How are you? How was your summer? Was it a good summer? What'd you do? Yeah, let's have a little bit of show and tell. Um, I'll go first. So um, I went traveling a bit, went to a couple of weddings. A lot of my friends are getting married this year. So I went to some weddings, uh, traveled with my husband, went to Heaven on Earth, otherwise known as the Madonna Inn. More on that later. And we went to Canada and I continued my obsession with cheesies. If you've never had uh, cheesies, Highly recommend. They're like a Canadian version of Cheetos, only 7 billion times better because they are crunchy and delicious and just, they're still neon orange. And that's what I'm really looking for in a cheesy snack. So anyway, hey, it's season two. I am thrilled to be back. I am so excited that you're back too. Good news oodles of really great stuff coming up this season. I got all kinds of great interviews. I spoke with the artistic director of the Madonna Inn. Do yourself a favor and Google the Madonna Inn. It is amazing in heaven on earth, like I said. Uh, I interviewed my friend who works at Riot Games and we I learn all about what it's like to be a storyteller for video games. And then I've got my friend David up in Paca Pride. It's all about alpaca, an alpaca ranch, which is super cool. And then a friend works at Pike Place Market Foundation, and we talk all about the iconic Pike Place Market here in Seattle. Not to mention, I've got oodles of other stuff. That is just the tip of the iceberg for season two. So many lovely things that I can't wait to share with you, and I think you're really going to enjoy them too. Today's episode is with my friend Cynthia Lair, and it's all about um, her cookbook and her love of sourdough bread. She wrote a book called Sourdough on the rise. And it's all about sourdough. There is a lot to know, but it's also incredibly uh, manageable. So I I thought baking was this big, scary thing. Turns out it's not a big, scary thing. You can do it and you can have fun and enjoy yourself doing it, which I love. Uh, Her book, Sourdough on the Rise, is now available on Amazon. It came out today. It was released today, right along with this podcast. What? What? craziness. So if you're interested and after what you hear in our discussion and you're like, wow, that sounds delicious and amazing. I want to get in on that. Uh, You can go to Amazon and get her book. And also you can, if you're local in Seattle, there are a few places in Seattle where some booksellers are selling it also. Hey, you know what? It wouldn't be me and it wouldn't be our the morning chat, the morning chat. What is this? A talk show? It is kind of, I guess. Uh, it wouldn't be my chat with you if I didn't ask you to please rate, review, subscribe, and share. Yes, I know I asked you last season. And guess what? I'm going to ask you this season too. If you can rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast, uh, that would be great. I assume you enjoy listening to it because you've downloaded and listened, listen, you're listening to it now. Uh, so yeah, throw me those five stars, thumbs up. A couple of kind words, that would be super duper rad and um, immensely helpful as well. So, uh, and also I want to keep in touch with you. I want to know what you're up to. What do you think is nice? Sometimes I have questions for you like, hey, what stickers should I make? And some such things that are fun like that. You can find me on Facebook at I Think You're Nice. You can find me on Instagram, I Think You're Nice. And you can just go to my website, ithinkyournice.com. Send me an email at sarah at I Think You're Nice dot com. 
So yeah, oodles of things coming up, coming at you. I'm excited to be here. Uh, let us, let us, let us, that works. Cynthia's a chef. Uh, let us jump right into this episode all about sourdough. I'm excited. Are you excited? Oh, we do say the word yeast a lot. So if you're at home and kicking back and want to turn that into a drinking game, I totally get it. Or sip your tea every time we say yeast. It's a lot. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, let's jump right in. Happy to be back. So glad you're here. I missed you. I missed you oodles. All right, let's have fun. Bye. Hi, I think you're nice. Why, hi, I think you're nice. Let's have a seat and let's have a nice time. I think you're nice. So let's chat, so let's chat, so let's chat. I think you're nice, so let's chat. Do-do-do-do-do. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Hi, I Think You're Nice. I'm your host, Sarah Hanshar, and welcome to the podcast where I speak to a nice person about nice things for about an hour. Today, my guest is Cynthia Layer, and we're talking about her cookbook and her love of sourdough bread, very specifically sourdough bread. Yay! Welcome, Yay. Cynthia. Thank you very much. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> um, I would like listeners to know that Cynthia came bearing bread and brie. Mm. Um, so I'm just saying that's something nice. Yeah. If, <laughs> if I if you invite me to your house, it could happen. Mm-hmm. Maybe. The, yeah. The odds are more improved than like maybe other people coming over I to your think house. So. Yeah. Like the odds of cheese or and or bread headed your way. Right. Something delicious. Um, we're talking about sourdough today, but Cynthia is actually a a well seasoned. Oh, but um, <laughs> that was terrible and <laughs> was accidental. Great. But it it occurred to me as I was saying seasoned yeah. chef. She's a chef. She writes cookbooks. She was a uh, a culinary professor, and you mm -hmm. ran a culinary program. Yeah. Um. So you're like Miss Mrs. Cook. Well, yeah, yes? I'm not actually a trained chef. Oh. Yeah, I'm one of those people that if you backtrack my career, mm -hmm. um, aside from acting, which I was very well trained for, but um, the other things I just sort of fell into, like, catch me if you can or something. <laughs> oh, like the story or the, yeah. the movie of Catch oh, Me If You Can? Like you need me to be a surgeon? Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was an active con man as well. I know. Though. I'm not an active con okay. girl. No check fraud or no, anything? No, like none of that. It was just like, oh, okay. You know, you just say yes to some things and all of a sudden you're running a culinary program. That's amazing. It is. I mean, clearly you cook well and explain things well, so Well, I didn't yeah. at be oh. the beginning. No, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought like, oh, this was a passion you had and something you did. Well, actually okay. it all started because um, when, when I did go to uh, nutrition school, Oh, right. I did that. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there was a culinary aspect to that. And I also found that talking to people about nutrition was so dull. But <laughs> teaching people to cook was kind of fun. Yeah. So I my experience fell heavily 
in that category. Okay. Yeah. There it is. There it is. Well, that's, well, that all, okay. So that also makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like you have all the science behind it and now how do you put that into action? Yeah. And like how do, how do you make that delicious and something people are excited to eat? Yeah. Into fun action and not, you should do this action. Yeah. 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 Because you're like, yay, yum food. Yeah. Instead of like, oh man, broccoli. Bleh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so my, my first book, Feeding the Whole Family, I wrote for what I was going through. So I was a, a young mother. I had a two-year-old child. I had just been through you know, pregnancy and birth, and that book was aimed at what can you make at home um, where you can take part of the meal and give it to your baby so you're not buying junky baby food, oh. but you're also not making baby food. Yeah. yeah. So you can feed yourself and your baby at the same with time, one meal. <laughs> which kind of, yeah, and it kind of trains the child to then eat what the parents are eating so that that transition from toddlerhood into um, sitting at the table with the rest of the adults is is like it's normal instead of wait a minute I want this yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Is that is, so is that what you did for your own family oh yeah did it work oh yeah it did yeah <laughs> no chicken nugget meltdowns no I didn't I didn't have that and I I I yeah I know oh, okay uh uh-uh. and you know I I I taught many many classes to young moms with babies and and I've had people I've run into people that say you know my daughter's 15 now but she's such a great eater because I just fed her normal food from the start oh okay I know yay testimonies testimonies real <laughs> life people yeah, that's just, awesome yeah, that's cool I've I was quite I know uh Cynthia through the improv world like I know so many of the fine folks in Seattle who appear on this podcast uh, through Unexpected Productions. And so when I found out you had a cookbook, I, I was like, oh, you're like a movie star. You're like Julia <laughs> Child. And uh, so I found that to be very impressive because I imagine the whole cookbooking, cookbook writing process is its own beast, I imagine. It's, it's, a, it's a tiger. It's a mother tiger. It's a mother tiger. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. dang. So feeding the whole family, um, the only reason it ever came into existence was nepotism. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate how honest you are, so brutally honest about your career and what has yeah, happened. Because I had, I had no cred <laughs> at all. And um, my mother-in-law had this publishing company where she was publishing like Yahweh, you know, like, like, like women's spiritual. Okay. Yeah, that kind of stuff. And it had no business doing a cookbook. Um, <laughs> but she took it on. <laughs> I know. And then it was, it, it didn't do too well because they had, they were doing love your whatever. Yeah. Nuns that learned about sexuality. You know, just books like that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I know. Love your nuns that have learned about sexuality. All right. <laughs> I have literally no idea or frame of reference to what you're talking about. Um, so, and then there's a cookbook. <laughs> so she, uh, 
sold the company, but in the process gave me the rights back, which I didn't even know what that meant. Okay. But eventually, like everybody trying to figure out a brand new thing, I decided to self-publish the cookbook, which uh. was insane. Um, but I did it. I mean, because you have to learn about barcode. Barcodes, barcodes, like it's like parkour. Yeah, <laughs> barcodes, barcodes, and Library of Congress and <gasps> distributors and and uh, oh, just it, it, and um. Were there any YouTube videos about it? No, not at the time. Oh, it was crazy. Then forget it. But um, I'll just tell you the short of it is that I did it. I took out a loan and I did it, and I sold. 50,000 copies of that book out of my garage. What? Yeah. I know. Move over, Bill Gates. I know. New garage party in town. I know. Yeah. And then after 10 years of selling that book, I was like, I'm tired of going to the post office and UPS and hauling books <laughs> and boxes. And uh, Sasquatch picked it up. So, and then they... <laughs> I know. Real quick again... Don't know what that means, except oh. you mean like a, a, a hairy <laughs> mythological beast. Ooh, I like just, that idea. Just, I'm like, well, that sounds like great. It. I like it. Um, Sasquatch Books is a local publisher. Ah. They distribute nationally, but they are in Seattle. Okay. And they're sense. they're very um, partial to local talent, though, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. So they picked it up, and uh, so it's currently in its fourth edition. It sold about 90,000 copies. Oh, my goodness. Congratulations. Thank you. That's got to feel good. Look how many tummies you're in. I'm in a lot of tummies. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's, that's really cool. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, when my daughter was in athletics, I wrote Feeding the Young Athlete, which is a a sports nutrition book for young kids that play sports that's readable by young kids. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is my third child. Oh, oh, this this third child is the sourdough. Yeah, sourdough on the rise. <laughs> that's the name of Cynthia's book is Sourdough on the Rise. Yeah, which I appreciate it for a lot of reasons. You did do it for pun reasons. I did it for pun reasons. Okay, good. Although it seems to be very trendy right now. It is popular right now. Let's just jump into it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's jump into it. So what makes uh what makes sourdough different than a regular dough? You or like a regular bread. Yeah. Like sourdough bread different than a regular yeah. like So I don't for know. a sourdough bread, you add some amount, depending on the recipe and the baker, of sourdough starter to the dough so it's the sourdough the stuff that you brew at home which we're about to jump into yeah um and that's what makes it a sourdough otherwise it's a bread but it has this magical component so what is this component of the sourdough starter yeah the sourdough starter is has got two parts to it it's got friendly Loving bacteria. Yay. Yay. <laughs> like um like uh the like the lactic acid that you find in yogurt, you know, mm -hmm. that kind those kinds of strains of bacteria that are helpful for our gut. And it also has wild yeast. Okay. So you're gonna make one. We'll make one now. Okay, how do we're we gonna make, make one? one? Um we're gonna take a jar. Okay. Not a big one, a little jar, like Small a, jar. I like a 
I like a pint jar. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I'm going to put some flour and some water in there, and I'm going to stir it up. Okay. And then I also, thanks to Sandor Katz, because he was kind of one of the fathers of getting everybody into fermentation, um, and he, he always adds a grape to the starter, which is important because the little white film on a grape is called bloom, and it helps attract the wild yeast in the air. And and I have a question about that. So I've been washing. I usually wash that off. Yeah. So should we not wash that off? Should we keep it on there? Or it it it's no harm. Okay. No it, harm to keep it. No, and it's very helpful. Oh. If you're making a sourdough starter. Okay. Yeah. So sourdough starter. Yeah. I didn't. I just figured it was like schmutz. You know, like yeah. grape schmutz. No, that, it's... that just needs to be rinsed off before you yeah, eat it. Yeah, that's cool. I think most people think that actually. Yeah. yeah. So it's a it's bloom. Yeah. Which sounds very sweet. It is sweet. And so the the flower, no matter what or where you get it or whatever, will have a little bacteria on it, just like everything in the whole world. And that bacteria comes to life when it gets in the vicinity of water. Mm. And so it starts like, hey, we got some water here. We can come to life. And then... (laughs) (laughs) She's doing like a hula girl sort of like creature coming to life. (laughs) And then uh, the wild yeast comes from the air in your home and on your body and in your environment everywhere it lives everywhere like this so we're opening our arms wide to the sky come come to us yeast so it's come (laughs) so it's the yeast of your life your life yeast yeah is what's essentially how's it getting in there just air yeah exposure to air exposure to air but it also it's like Huh, there's some food down there. Oh, we want to eat that flower. Yeah. Doesn't that look good? Oh, look, there's some of our friends on that grape. Let's go join them. Oh. Yeah. Yeast can detect a yeast party? Yes. What? Yes. What? Yeah. It's like a bloom party over here. Yeah, exactly. And then all the other bacteria is like, guys, we know this great spot. Right. Don't tell everyone. Right. But they have, they need each other really badly because kind of, uh, so the bacteria gets fed the flower and there's more bacteria and they get fed, but, um, they eliminate sugars, which the yeast eat. And then the yeast die too. Everything mm-hmm. dies, unfortunately. Yes. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> and the, uh, bacteria will eat the dead yeast. Okay. And they just live there symbiotically and it won't spoil as long as you are parenting correctly. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Don't That's, spoil the starter. Don't spoil the starter. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So, um, uh, listeners, we've, Cynthia and I've already talked about this, it takes about 14 days. However, um, in your book, you said that you go, you do a, a really blow by blow, like what it looks like, what to do. Day by day. Not only that, it's, it's kind of important when you're bringing a starter to life to keep it warm. And, mm. and if it's not, it'll just sit there and look at you and go, what, what am I supposed to do? Oh, okay. So, um, and that can be tricky in a cool Northwest environment. Yeah. So I have 
a whole list of little tricks you can do to keep it warm. Can, can you name a, a couple oh, yeah, off the top like, of your head? Like, uh, well, one thing is to get one of, you know, those little coolers that hold a six pack? Okay, sure. Yeah, you could put one in there uh, wrapped in a little uh, towel. Oh. And maybe a jar of hot water in there, and it kind of keeps it all warm in there. Oh, okay. Or, or you could wrap it in wool. Or you can just find a place in your home that is about 78 degrees. Oh, 78 degrees. Yeah, like I have a closet that has no window, no access to anything. Mm-hmm. It kind of traps heat. I've, I've started some starters in there. <laughs> <laughs> Your starter closet? Starter closet. Just yeast town yeah, in there. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see uh, listeners yeah. drink every time we say yeast. Yeah. Uh. Yes. Yes. Please do. Beer seems appropriate. Oh my gosh, it does. Yeah, it does. Or wine it? with the or grape. Or wine, of course, with the, with the grape. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, the book just outlines it for the meticulous. Okay. Um, But. It's it's much more forgiving than that usually. And if you come to one of the classes that I'm doing, and I'm doing a whole slew of them this fall, I'll be there with my starter. And if you get a teaspoon of my starter, the process is speeded up till it's it's only going to take about seven days to get it going. Plus, you have a really great starter. I do. Yeah. Her name is Dottie. Yes. Yes. Cynthia brought Dottie to school today. Yes. <laughs> brought it to the yeah. studio. Yeah. Um, she smells very, she smells like beer. Yeah. And she smells like a brewery tour. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have Dottie. I've had Dottie for, I think, about 12 years. And, you know, there was, there was a summer where I let her get too hot that I thought it's all over. Oh, and, no. But, you know, I was able to, that's the thing. There, you can you can use if you just pare it down to a tablespoon or two and get it out of some bad environment. You can bring it back to life, just like a bad teenager. You can do it. You can do. It. I was just thinking, like, just in life. Get, yeah, that's a great. If I can just get a tablespoon of me out of here and get myself into a better environment where I am supported, yeah, and I feel like I have room yeah. to be myself, yes, then. Just kind of get a fresh start. Yeah, yeah. friends, treat mm-hmm. yourself like you treat your yeah. starter dough. Yeah. Get into a good environment. You deserve yeah. it, and it can be done. And a lot of people are like, oh, I want to make sourdough bread. And mm-hmm. I love them, and I'm like, yes, you do. I want to I, – let me help. But the thing is, you you really do have to have a starter and have a relationship with that starter, know how to take care of it, um, cause it's not a one shot deal. It's not yeah. like, oh, I'm going to get, buy a starter. I'm going to make a loaf of bread if it turns out good. Okay. I mean, you can do that, I suppose, but that's just you sort sure of like can. a one night stand. <laughs> <laughs> a one night loaf. Yeah. That's all, that's all you get. <laughs> and we're talking about a, a, a little more of a commitment, a little, little more of a commitment. 12 years. I, oh. I remarked that I thought 12 years was quite a long time. That's a significant portion of time. Yeah. But you're like, that's a baby dough. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, let me tell you this. Please do. So, I um, know all I didn't things. know this, but there is such a thing as starter elitism. 
Starter elitism? Yeah. Not on my watch. <laughs> yeah. So I was at this person's house that was a doctor, and I, I didn't know him well. And I saw all these books about fermentation, and I said, oh, do you have a starter? And he said, oh, well, it died. And I oh. said, oh, that's too bad. Um, What happened? And he goes, well, I purchased it from Norway, where it was kept in a wooden <laughs> cask for a hundred years and i'm like oh i said well you know they're really easy to make (laughs) and it's about you know uh, Mm -hmm. 25 cents and he goes oh no i'll be ordering another one so there's this misconception that somehow an older starter is a better starter huh but it's sort of like you have to believe that nothing dies yeah. Because any bacteria that or yeast that was in there mm-hmm. is dying and reproducing, you know, and, and coming. So it's just as new as one that was made f- two months ago. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Well, it's evolving every day. It's a dynamic thing. And it's things are living, things are dying, things are living, things are dying, just like the real world. Only have a little yeah. glass jar of it. Yeah. I w- but I do say that if you got it from your grandma, yeah, then then it's got some love in it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But the the idea that it still has some of the bacteria that she used for her bread, that's silly. Oh, so that is gone. Well, they just yeah. don't live that long. Okay. It's replaced by other bacteria and other yeast. No need to purchase um, overseas yeast. No. When, when you can just make it, clearly you can make it yourself. And it's, I'm just having, there's so much bacteria in the air that I didn't think about. I didn't think about a, a bacteria party. Yeah. And like having yeah. that all happen. Yeah. With nothing but a grape water and flour. Like my mind is legit blown. Isn't that fun? I thought it was. It's so fun. That is fun. Little delicious chemistry set right there for you. Yeah. And as long as you keep it up, it can last for a long, long, long time. Hundreds of years in Norway. Hundreds of years, and then you can sell it to other people for (laughs) hundreds of dollars. It's like a fine vintage. It's a Dom Perignon of yeast. Even that's only aged for 10 years. That's right. And so. every, Oh, this is cool. What's that? So I was reading after I wrote the book, for heaven's sakes. Um, but I was, <laughs> I was reading in this book about how in Korea they talk about everybody's kimchi has a different hand taste. Oh. Hand taste. Hand taste. Okay. Yes. Which means that it's... That whatever your starter is, it's going to have the bacteria and yeast of you. Mm. And they did this experiment where they took like, I don't know, 50 sourdough starters from 50 bakers. And then they took samples of the bacteria and yeast on the hands of fifty, the 50 bakers. And then they matched them up and they all matched up exactly. Yeah. By by science, like by doing basically a DNA sort of test yes. on it, like a, yes. a yeast test. Yes. Interesting. The bacteria on the and the yeast that was on the hands of the baker mm-hmm. matched their starters in a blind test. Whoa. Yeah. That's really cool. I know that. I'm so glad you read that. Well, that's why I like make your own. 
Yeah, have your the, your own hand. Yeah. The taste of the hand. Hand taste. Hand taste. Hand taste. It <laughs> sounds kind of weird. I bet it's a prettier word in Korean, but... Probably. Yeah. <laughs> At least to us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's any better than life yeast. Hand taste. So I think we talked about this a little bit earlier. It's hard to say what recorded and what didn't. I don't recall. Um, but you... So you were a nutritionist, then were a nutritionalist, right? Is that how you pronounce it? Nutritionist? I would call it a nutrition educator. A nutrition educator mm -hmm. turned a... Culinary instructor. Culinary instructor mm -hmm. turned cookbook maker via nepotism the first time. Yes. And then the second time for your athletic kiddo. Yeah. Now the third time for baking. Yeah. <clears throat> so has baking always been a big thing for you, or has it been cooking, or is it... Just sourdoughs got you by the heartstrings. I, you know, I would say that I am a person that likes to make things, and uh, I like cooking because it's practical creativity. Oh, um, because you can make it, and it's pretty fast, and I'm pretty fast. <laughs> and then and then you get to eat it so that's kind of fun too it is yeah so it's it's more the creativity part of it that i was initially in, attracted to mm -hmm. more than nutrition or whatever yeah I oh like, i like the creativity of it but the sourdough part of it uh, uh 12 or so years maybe more 15 years ago i mean we've been teaching about fermented foods at, at bastier forever and, you know, the kombuchas and the krauts and the everything. And um, it's valid. I mean, it's really good to eat those foods. It's helpful. It helps your gut. But for me, I was, when once I learned that the, I'm going to get science-y on you a little Please bit. Please do. Let's jump into science. Once I learned that the microbial population in your gut, which is billions of microbes, mm -hmm. Control your immune system, control your mood, control um, so many things. I can't think of them all right now. <laughs> but they, they're they kind of like have charge of the body. And that keeping them healthy and good is so important. We don't even know why yet. I mean, this science is very, very young, mm -hmm. you know, not even two decades old yet. And what the good bacteria in your gut eat is fiber, which all of a sudden makes the whole world of food make sense because we eat foods that hopefully naturally have fiber. Mm -hmm. But that fiber is of no, we can't use it and turn it into protein oh. or carbohydrates. Or, yeah. It's not any of that. We can't use it as fuel. So you're like, what's it for? So for a long time, we thought, oh, it just helps move your poop along. Yeah. Well, that's cool and everything, but that's <laughs> not its main use. Its main use is food for the good bacteria in your gut. So, uh -huh. so the microbiome experts say you should eat 30 to 35 grams of fiber a day, and most Americans eat about 15. Okay. So... Here's what I thought. I thought, well, I want to eat fermented food mm -hmm. that also is high in fiber. There you go. Right? I have an idea for you. Okay. 
sourdough, sourdough bread. bread. And then people say, I know. And then people go, yeah, but when you when you bake the bread, all the bacteria die. But they don't. They don't die. No. Which is crazy. I know. That's crazy. I thought that too. Because you put it in fire you, for a while. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. You start that oven at 500 degrees for a lot of the breads. Holy crap. Yeah. And the yeast lives? Uh, or the, some not of the, the yeast. That's the... not their job. But the, the uh, bacteria Oh. Yeah. And so some of them do die because that's a, that's a long journey in a hot oven, mm-hmm. but some of them do survive. And then they, after the bread cools, they will start to reproduce. And this is, uh, why? Is it for the same reason it reproduced in the first place? Yeah, it's so. got plenty of food, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so there, there it is. Yeah. Now, are you worried, or am I worried that people are panicking? Like, there's bacteria everywhere on any every, on everything. They should get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, kids. That's that breaks. Yeah, you, them's the breaks. You have to. You have bacteria. Yeah. yeah. It is on you, in you, through you. Yeah. By you. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So. And you know that that back that those uh, friendly bacteria in there, they. They do some amazing things, like that lactic acid that's in there that gives it that sour taste. Mm-hmm. It keeps the bread. Oh, so sourdough bread will keep on your counter for way longer than anything else that you could dream of. Maybe when it's eighty degrees, it won't be as many days, but it'll keep a week on the counter. No yeah. mold. That's something that you're not going to get with other like genuine for really reals bread. Yeah. Yeah. And if you use whole grains like I do, my breads are typically 75% whole grains, Mm -hmm. which is harder to get a nice rise out of, but I have a lot of cool tricks. Um, But if you use whole grains, then the the sourdough bread is a low glycemic index food. So it's safe for diabetics. Oh. Yeah. That's excellent. I know. Isn't that nice? I'm kind yeah. of addicted to my own bread, which is kind of embarrassing oh. and, and kind of vain, but... Do you bring it places? No, I would okay. never do that. Oh, my God. <laughs> like to restaurants or something? Oh. Hi, would you How make my tuna melt with oh, this no. bread? <laughs> oh, God, no. What? People do it at karaoke. Hi, I have this karaoke track. Will <laughs> so, you play this song Really? Please? Oh, that's so creepy. Back in the day of CDs, anyway. Yikes. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's just that I just don't buy bread because I like, you know, I like... You like your bread. I like the taste of it. It must taste like me. <laughs> <laughs> I love the taste of my own hand. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. Oh, oh, also, oh, yes. uh, with the whole grains and with the process that I do, which is like, the way I make bread is I put some sourdough starter and some flour and water together, stir it up, and it sits for Eight hours, 10 hours, oh, wow. 12 hours. And that's when all these kind of cool things happen, like a lot of the bioavailability of the nutrients are released and some other more bacteria is produced, good bacteria. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so I, they're very, they're very forgiving in bread making because there's long periods of time where you don't do anything and the microbes and the yeast are working for you. 
Well, that sounds nice. Yeah. I was I was going to ask, since you like to make and only eat your own bread, Yeah, that must mean either you don't eat a lot of bread or you make it pretty frequently. And is that time consuming? But now it sounds like a big portion of it is maybe waiting for it to do its own thing yes. somewhere else. There's a lot of waiting. Okay. Um, but so I'll put it together like at night takes 10 minutes and then it, the next day... I'll okay. <laughs> make the dough, uh-huh. and the dough has to rise for a, a, an hour and a half or two hours. Okay. And then uh, you bake it, and it's 45-minute bake. It's this, not bad, really. This all seems very manageable all of a sudden. It is. I think that when you first encounter it, it feels a little overwhelming. Mm-hmm. But once you get into the rhythm of it, uh, it's like, well, that's not so hard. Yeah. But... In my book, I have a lot of, uh, like, there's pancakes, there's a sourdough batter bread, there's a lot of flat breads. So um, you work your way up to these sort of risen breads Mm -hmm. that are a little more complex. Because in your your book, um, I was really excited about naan. Yeah, I love Um, naan. Yeah, I had no (sighs) idea so many things could be sour. So I had no idea it was so versatile. Yeah, but like that naan in the book, the naan, uh, there's two recipes that go with the bread. So like for the naan, there's a palak paneer. Right, the palak paneer. Yeah. I know that means it has cheese in it, so I'm already there for yeah. it. Yeah, and then there's a, 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 a apricot chutney. Yes. So there's... You know, there's something to go with, or like for one of the rustic bulls, there's um, French onion soup. You know, there's something to go with everything. So there's 12 bread recipes, but there's 24 other recipes. Um, So you make your 12 breads and then like a two-ish like additional recipes for what you can do with that bread yes. besides just enjoy it as a bread. Exactly. I love that. And did you say French onion soup? Yes. Because that's one of my favoriteest things on earth is French onion soup. Well, you know what this one is? What's this one? Well, a lot of... Okay, so my belief after years of teaching cooking and everything is that the thing that most people shy away from is time. I don't mean hands-on time, but hands-off time. And hands-off time is what... That's where all the flavors develop. Like caramelizing onions, if you let them sit there for 30 minutes, that's a caramelized onion, you know? And you can do other things, checking in occasionally. So the French onion soup, you basically make that soup um, with all those bazillion onions Mm -hmm. and some broth, either beef or mushroom, whichever floats your boat, and some wine, and then you let it sit overnight. Overnight? Yeah. Because okay. guess what? What? All that wine and flavors and the onions and all that, they, they're like, they have time to release their flavor into the liquid then. And just be together. And be together and be, become one. <laughs> I'm, you. And how easy is that? And let's say you put that all together and then you're going to finish it the next day and you're like, oh, oops, company's not coming. Well, you can just stick it in the refrigerator. Yeah. I There was a time in my life when I made soup weekly. Like I, I'd make soup for the week and yeah. then just eat soup. Yeah. I kind of had a soup problem for there for I a think while. That's a, I think that's a soup gift. A soup gift? Yeah. 
Um, cause you can put, what I love about soup is that you can put whatever you want in there and you get all of your veggies and whatever. Yeah. And then it's soup. And this was in Florida when I was in my soup phase. That's like, kind of crazy. It's an insane place to have something that yeah. hot. Yeah. <laughs> Although air conditioning in each place is like 65 degrees. So it's, it's I cool know. enough to have your soup. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, enough soup chatter. Well, yeah. and here it says, bonjour, French onion and mushroom soup. Is that, yeah. is that where my dreams are coming That's true? That's where your dreams are coming true. And I see that you actually, is that your term? Hands on, hands off time? Yeah. <gasps> Look at you. I like it because hands-on time is only an hour. Yes. But hands-off time is one to eight hours. Yeah. So you were serious about like letting that baby, would you put that in a crock pot or? No. No? No, it doesn't. Stove? No. Well, you initially cook it on the stove to get the onions soft. Uh-huh. But once you've added everything in, you just, I, I put it in the garage where it's cooler. Oh, Mm-hmm. Okay. Or the basement. Is there just food stashed in random places mm-hmm. in your home at yeah. all times? Yeah. Does your husband ever like, dang it, Cynthia? No, <laughs> he ran into your it. soup. He likes it. No, he likes it. And and I'm always fermenting kraut somewhere. So okay, yeah. Man, I love kraut too. Apparently, I am. You're a fermented baby. I am a fermented baby. Yeah. And I'm into it. Yeah. And kraut making is super easy. Can we touch on kraut making real quick? Yeah, because there's two krauts in the book. (gasps) There there are two krauts in the book. Breaking news. There are two krauts (laughs) in the book. In the book. While we're talking about the book in particular, uh, it's a really great size. It's a cute little size. And I don't know if anyone gets frustrated like I do. I imagine we all must, right? I know I do. I don't even consider myself like a chef or cook by any means, but I do like to. Yeah. And then the cookbook stays open to whatever page that you open the book to. Or like this one right here, this uh, vanilla rum apple butter. Oh, hello. You do that in the crock pot, and you put it in the crock pot for eight hours. And it does all the work for you. I love when time, my time mortal does enemy, the work. I know. does something for me yeah, for once. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Oh, you guys, this sounds amazing. It's got apples, brown sugar, squ- freshly squeezed lemon, a little bit of salt, some cinnamon, allspice, nutmeg, and vanilla, and ooh, a half cup yeah. of spiced rum. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. This. I'm serious. This is so. I want to make this as my gift for people yeah, this year for Christmas. I should too, but I don't have time because I'm too busy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and this is the official uh, kickoff to yeah. Cynthia's like book release tour. Things. Things. Thingies. Her um, book thingies. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. signed up for Hi, I Think You're Nice right out of the gate. I know. I know. I'm yeah. so excited for your sourdough journey. And yeah. Your, well, now I feel... Yeah, I feel I feel I feel validated. Thank you, you for being you are, here. You are validated. Thank you. Let's talk about bread some more. Okay. Um so how did you discover it? Like was it just something that you already knew about or was it because of the microbial stuff that you found so interesting? Because of the microbial stuff that I found so interesting and also because I considered it one of my weakest cooking skills was baking bread not baking in general but baking bread Mm -hmm. and so uh, like anybody that wants to learn something and learn it well I decided well the best way for me to learn is study for a little bit and then start doing it (laughs) yeah and really honestly 
my first couple of years of making sourdough bread, there was a lot of bread in my compost. Oh, yeah, I, I made a lot of mistakes, uh-huh. and I learned a lot every time I made mistakes. Um, so I what think, kind of things? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, like forgetting to put the salt in. Whoops, that's a terrible, terrible mistake. <laughs> yeah, okay, or not, not let not. It wasn't warm enough, so it didn't really rise. You oh, know, okay. just little things like that, which are seem like, well, who would forget that? But I don't know. I was excited and forgot. Have we all seen Great British Bake Off? Yeah, it's 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 possible to forget anything. Yes. including your oven entirely. Yes. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, um, I've definitely done some saltless dishes. Yeah. I've uh, done saltless cookies. Oh uh, God, accident. that's so horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Because baking, you can't add it later. A lot of no. things you can, you can, it's not quite the same, but you yes. can add it later. Yeah. But once you're baked, you're baked. You're baked. <laughs> yeah. You are baked. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I, I, this book is for home cooks written by a home cook. Mm-hmm. One of my kind of things that bugs me is buying a baking book that's written by a baker because at a bakery you have like proofing rooms that keep the temperature true you have ovens that get up to 900 degrees you can bake a loaf in like five eight minutes you know i mean there's a lot of they have a lot of advantages Mm -hmm. and i wanted to do it at home in a home oven with affordable equipment yeah and not what your average person's gonna yeah, have in their house. not too froofy there's a couple of little fun things but not you know like a dough whisk is kind of fun and what's a dough whisk i know i know what a dough hook is it, yeah a dough whisk it's kind of shaped like a spiral and it's on a thing and it's just really good for getting a uh, flour into batter oh it's yeah, cool neat yeah. they're like what twelve dollars yeah it's not too bad yeah, if you're headed into like the hardcoreness yeah. of baking, I definitely started with uh, a dough whisk, though. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even have a pot with a good fitting lid when I started. So okay. you know, that's why um, the subtitle of the book is "How to Confidently Bake Whole Grain Sourdough Bread at Home." At home, because how it's, to confidently? Yeah, because it's about. Um, yeah, your normal average person, not not a not a baker or not somebody that's got millions of dollars worth of equipment like proofing rooms or something. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I wonder if that'll be like the new humidor. Since I don't know yeah, if like probably. smoking cigars is popular as it used to be. I have a proofing room. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right now I'm using a a. a, a a big cooler that we have and mm-hmm. I put a light bulb in there and close it and it warms it up and then I put the bread in there to rise it. It's like you got little chicks in there. I know. Or something. And I've got, <laughs> and there's a whole list of ideas about where to, how, how to rise your bread in your house to, um, not the least of which this is the funny, <laughs> this is hilarious and I haven't done it, but it's a good idea. Which is like when you get up in the morning and your bed's still warm, put your bowl of dough in the bread. <laughs> Go ahead, do that. Let me know put about your, that. I bet bread. there's a lot of yeast in there. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, but my dog sleeps on the bed. Then let's not do yeah, that. Yeah, he, I don't want Horatio no. No, let's in not there. Do that. No. <laughs> he's a good boy, but he's I gross. said I don't do that one. But, but the, really, that's something you've heard to do? Or like as an well, option? Well, any place that can keep it um, somewhere between around, I mean, the best temperature really is about 82 degrees for rising 82 grid. degrees. And too hot is bad and too cold is bad. So you do have to get a little Goldilocks about the whole thing. You know where it would be great, well, at least for my, I'm just thinking of my house, um, the laundry room. Yes. Like if I'm doing laundry, yep. will it taste like downy or whatever? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Everybody's got places in their home that are, you know, just a little bit warmer yeah. than is comfortable. That's 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 what you're looking for. Oh, that's also our bedroom. Like in the summer, oh. our bedroom is really really warm. Yeah, prime place for proving. Yeah, or I used <laughs> to also have a put. A, we have this teeny one of those teeny bathrooms that doesn't have much in it. That's okay, mm-hmm. no windows. I used to close the door and put a little space heater in there. That's another way I can. Oh, bread, yeah. or rice bread. Yeah, you have lots of just lots of hacks. I have a lot of hacks. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I This is for, like, let's figure this out <laughs> kind of folks. You have all these things coming up. You have all of this this bread. So is your house just chock full of hither and thither, like, little nests of bread right now? Or does that happen with you? Well, um, we are very fortunate that a friend of us about uh, 15 years ago asked us to babysit her little chest freezer. And it's in our basement, so it has a lot of bread in it right now because oh. these breads and most breads, I'll say by the way, are are fine at room temperature mm-hmm. and freeze well. The refrigerator is one of the worst choices for bread. Really, it dries it out and just sucks the flavor out of it. Yeah. Okay. So what we do is when I bake a loaf, um, there's just two of us at home. We'll cut it into pe- you know chunks, big chunks, and we'll we this is what we need for three, four, or five days, and then the rest goes wrapped up in the freezer, and then we just take it out until it's gone. But I usually bake once every. Uh, w- week or 10 days or so you know why why because i like doing it Mm -hmm. because my hands are doing something and i'm not looking at screens i'm not listening to politics on the radio Mm -hmm. um and i'm just making something and it's really simple and it makes me feel better well that sounds lovely Self-care comes in a million ways. ways. Yeah. 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 It really does. So this is one of my self-care ways. It's like, oh, I'm going to make bread today. Yeah. Quiet your brain and quiet everything else. And just focus on the little living small monsters in your hand. Yeah. And touching it and going, oh, how's the bread today? Because every time you make it, it's just a tiny bit different. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that that hand. Hand taste. That hand taste. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Everyone, read Cynthia's book because she's a lovely loaf. <laughs> Not that I'm calling you a loaf. Aren't we all loaves? loaves? Yeah, we are loaves. <laughs> We're just loaves that house a lot of bacteria and yeast. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I've also never spoken with someone who's spoken with such love and reverence for bacteria yeah. and yeast. Yeah. And that you love it and it loves you. And... It does such amazing things. Really. I I was I was so startled over and over doing the research for this. And, uh, oh, I know. Oh, what? Yeah. Well, I was saying that, uh, let's say you have to go away for two months to Europe. Right. Even though I didn't do uh-huh. that and haven't. But um, I needed to know how to protect that if somebody oh. was, I mean, yeah, you can give it to somebody to feed and babysit, but mm-hmm. that sounds horrible. I mean, that sounds like a burden for them. So you can take some dough, some of the starter, which is like the texture of pancake batter. Okay. And then add more flour to it, make a little ball out of it, mm-hmm. put it in some sealed container and put it in the freezer. So I did that and I had such doubt. Yeah. And I left it in there a month or two, took it out, brought it to room temp, added warm water, brought it back to the right consistency. And when that thing bubbled up, I was like, hallelujah, (laughs) hallelujah. I couldn't believe it. And it did it. It was just like, yeah, so what? It was in stasis of some variety? Yes. Like you were in Aliens and you brought it out of the sleepy freezer and woke it up? Yeah, and I'm Sigourney Weaver. And you're Sigourney Weaver. (laughs) Yes, and the bread is the alien. Oh, no, (laughs) No, wait, wait. No, we don't No, the bread is the robot thing that she's in. (laughs) It's a handy tool that she has. The sourdough is pretty, pretty hearty. Yeah. Well, I mean, it must be hearty if, like... Even that, the fact that it can be hundreds of years old. Granted, yeah. it's not the same yeast that existed a hundred years ago, but right. the fact that it's the same—that's that's remarkable it to me. It is. It does take some care. I mean, you can't just ignore it for weeks on end. It it, it will become very unhappy. Well, what happens is just it eats all the food that's there, and mm-hmm. all that's left is the liquid on top, which is what we love to call hooch, which is actually the oh. excrement of the bacteria. Oh, so is that booze? Uh-huh. Yeah, it is booze. It's the boozy part. That's why you stir it back mm. in. But let's say it's in there and it's eating things and the hooch just keeps building up and building up. Well, pretty soon, it the uh, homeostasis of the whole thing's going to go off. Yeah. Because it, it doesn't have anything to eat anymore. And... um yeah. So it, it so it just secretes all that hooch. Yeah. And then it's like, well, I'm under this blanket of hooch. Yes. I will pass quietly yes, into the good I night. Yes, I will pass quietly okay. into the good night, which usually involves some kind of other unfriendly bacteria oh. being able to take over. Yeah. Now, how do you keep the unfriendly bacteria out of there? By paying attention to your starter, at least, I say, once every seven to ten days. Mm-hmm. Um. But it can take a lot. I mean, you can you can scrape some nasty stuff off of there, and, it, <laughs> and it's still okay. I'm just saying, when it's bad, uh-huh. how will we know? You will know because the color the color that you might see in there would be pink. Oh, that's bad. Okay, white, gray. Okay, white, pink. gray. Okay, pink. No, 
Pink is that. And the smell will be not boozy, oozy, let's have a party, but mm-hmm. it will be putrid. Oh, full. Yeah. Okay. So it's pretty clear. When it's. When it's. Not made it. When it's all, all the way gone. Okay. And it has to be pretty bad. Most of the time, if it's just a little moldy or crusty or something like that, <laughs> like people get, you can you can just you kind of take part of it, put it in a clean jar, and kind of mm-hmm. start it over for a few days. Yeah. I'm going to guess that you're a real, like, well, look at it. Don't look at the expiration yes, date. Yes. Look, look at the thing. Does yes. it look bad? Does yes. it smell bad? I am one of those. I am I am learning to be more so. That's that has been honestly one of my joys um and challenges and joys of like cleaning out cuz I'm trying to buy less food so there's less waste. Um so I'm like, well, I can't buy anything else until I finish that tuna. So what am I going to do with this tuna? And I'm yeah. like, okay, what spices do I have? And usually it comes out okay. So yeah. this... I have a tuna melt in there because do you? you know what? I like those just really basic, comforty kind of foods. And if you're going to make a homemade whole grain sourdough English muffin, it's better than to make put it make it into a tuna melt or Ooh, eggs I'm Benedict thinking. or something. <gasps> eggs Benedict. Yeah, that'd be fun. Too. That would be fun. There's mm-hmm. sourdough tortillas. There are Jamaican jerk braised pork sliders. Ooh, that mango chutney. <gasps> you made all this. <laughs> i guess so yeah right yeah. you did okay well you you know one of the things you talked to me about or you mentioned that you might talk to me about is cookbook writing and it is yeah. it is it's an arduous journey there's no way in the world that you could ever sell enough books to pay yourself more than a dollar an hour for the time you spend writing a cookbook it has to be pure love, and I do love the process of yeah. it. It's really, it's frustrating, it's challenging, it's rewarding, you know, all the things when you're trying to do something. And some recipes, you're like, okay, here's my, here's what I, here's my template I think will work. And, you know, it takes 30 tries to get it to work. Yeah. And then other ones, like, hmm, I think this is work, and it works. And you're like, yay! <sighs> Yeah. At least one can get done. Yeah, one. Yeah. yeah, check. Yeah. And are you doing the food staging of this? Because that's a whole other deal, that's right? That's somebody else's talent, and okay. it's not mine. Okay. Yeah. No, the uh, Jim Hinkins, who did the, all the photography in there, also did all of the food styling. So. Oh. Yeah. He's a baker, too. So he Well, he did a beautiful job. The he pictures did. are gorgeous. Yeah. It's very legible and quick and to the point and but also like gives you enough information so you're not like alone just with the recipe but you have a no there's yeah. some there's little sidebars throughout the whole thing called need to know mm-hmm. which will tell you uh, which i hope are the answers to a lot of questions that somebody might have like for instance there's one about what if the bake time that you say doesn't work for me. And, you know, I say, yeah. um, well, your oven's different than mine. It is. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's well calibrated. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Yeah. When I started writing the book, I had one oven and our oven broke. And oh. I got a, a, we had to get a new oven. And my bake time's all changed. Oh. S- yes. 
Oh, yes. Okay. Not by, you know, a half an hour, but maybe by five minutes. Okay. That can be significant. So, um, you know, I just, um, I would, what I did was I would give the recipe to two different people, have Mm -hmm. them bake it, get their feedback about the time, and then do it myself and do a nice average. (laughs) Yeah, that... I didn't even think about getting other people on board because I imagine you have another a number of chefs in your life who would. Yeah, you have to call yeah. in a lot of favors. Yeah. yeah, and that's just part of the the beast of cookbook writing. I imagine because yeah. it can't just be you and your your taste buds and no. you and your time. It no, has to you, be like it has a collective. To be tested. Yeah, they put that in your contract. So. Okay, so you can't just have this. Isn't full of malarkey. This is the real deal in here it's yeah i mean it's it's scary hi will you bake this and let me know how it comes out (laughs) (laughs) did you want to talk about whole grains for a moment why you prefer them over regular grains Um, because they're high in fiber and we all need more fiber than we ever imagined (laughs) (laughs) than we ever thought possible yeah yeah Yeah, it helps with your digestion, but there's a lot of nutrients in those whole grains that are bioavailable in the sourdough form, too. And that fiber is what makes your gut happy because that's what the microbes, the good microbes down there eat for lunch and breakfast and dinner. So they need need food, too. Excellent. I, I enjoy the whole grains. I... I often refer to it as like rocks and twigs breads because mm-hmm. I like like chunks of seeds and yeah. <laughs> rocks and twigs. I like I'm like that. a bird, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. That yeah. sounds good to me. Yeah. Um, like I also, but I also mentioned Wonder Bread bologna sandwich. So. Yes. So you. The spectrum. You, you'd have the full <laughs> spectrum. Exactly. The full spectrum is good. Yeah. Thank you. Um. Yeah, I love that you're not a, a food snob or a nutrition snob or any of those things. You just are very passionate and you love you love the food you make and the food you love. Um, uh, are there any suggestions or recommendations for those who are interested? I mean, you gave us a ton of recommendations on how to create your own starter. Um, anything else come to mind? You're like, oh... I know what it's like to be frustrated at this point or et cetera, et cetera. Oh, that's such a good question. I think that if you have baked bread before, just regular bread, you're not going to have very much trouble baking sourdough bread. Okay. If you've never baked bread before, I think it's important that you give yourself whatever you think is about the right amount of learning curve time. (laughs) Okay. So... That might, but you need to make a commitment. You don't just bake it once, it doesn't turn out, you're done. But keep baking, keep baking, keep baking. I bet somebody in the house will like to eat it no mm-hmm. matter what happens. And you'll get better and better and better. Okay. Um, it's just like, I, you know, I say it's like this. If I, if I had built a bookshelf tomorrow, it would look really bad. Because I don't hammer nails every day. I don't use a drill every day. Um, I sort of know how, but not really good. But I bet if I built a bookshelf every month for a year, I bet I would start building some really nice bookshelves. So it just takes it takes some patience and some practice. 
Yeah. Yeah. And she, you smile so nicely. <laughs> I think you believe all of us can bake. I we do. Can, we can. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Is there anything else about sourdough that you want to make sure the good people know or good people know about your book? This is my first time interviewing somebody about a book. Wow. Yeah. No, just um, don't be afraid. And if you're like, if it sounds good to you, give it a shot. And uh, and it's a small book. It's not a, one of those one of those um, baking books that you know, like you could use for a doorstop. Yeah, there's I have those. And you know, when I started this journey. 10 years ago, I bought some of those and I almost cried. I was like, this is too much. I can't do this. Aww. It's too overwhelming. It's too much everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just thought, no, you're all right. Just one step at a time. Yeah. Yeah. It. Yeah. There's nothing to be intimidated by this book. It is lovely. I believe that anyone can bake confidently. Yes. I feel like I can confidently make whole grain sourdough breads at home. Yay! I believe it in my heart. I'm also <laughs> really excited about that apple rum butter business. Yeah, that looks yeah. amazing. Yeah. Well, that's the kind of cool thing. Let's say you get into the sourdough, but, you know, somehow it, you just don't get into the um, routine of it. But you've got 24 other recipes in there you can make. Yeah. That onion soup. Now that we've had this onion soup conversation, mm-hmm. it's happening. Yeah. Coming to you this autumn. Yeah. Soup. It'll be in your... You You will... I do say... I will, I will read you <laughs> Yeah, this. please. Is and there then, anything that you'd like to no. to share directly? No. <laughs> this, this is funny. Wait. Uh, once again, time is used to build magnificent flavor by letting the soup have a good nap. If cutting up onions make you cry, here are three tear prevention tricks because you have to cut up two and a half pounds of onions. Holy crap. That's three to four onions. Oh, that's not not bad. One, cut the onions under the air vent, obviously with the vent on. Yeah, so it blows it off of your face. Two, stick the onions in the freezer for 15 minutes before cutting them. Okay. Three... Wear goggles and send me a picture. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you joke. May I tell you a really quick story? Yes, yes. (laughs) Um, uh, Onions don't make my eyes water, but I really like spicy, spicy peppers. Um, Eating them is fine, but cutting them up, I cry. I get red and splotchy. Yeah. So... uh, I put on some part of our scuba gear. I put on goggles and the, cause it's causing me to like, oh. like breathe, have breath problems. Yes. And you're like, why should, why do you still eat it? Cause I eat it just fine. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and I put my snorkel on and like pointed it behind me. The dog was not a fan. Um, Aww. he was very like, why, Terrified. what is wrong with you? Why are yeah. you weird now? Aww. Um, but then I cut up the peppers, bing, bang, boom, problem solved. I like and it. I think there might be a picture that exists, I so I could send it to you. I think we need pictures of those. Yeah. I think we need a lot of pictures of those. Always. Mm-hmm. Um, lovely. Well, next is my favorite question of all, and it's okay if you don't have an answer, um, but do you have any particularly funny or interesting stories that have happened in either creating this cookbook or baking or any of your 
culinary exploits? So many. So many? <laughs> but one of my favorite ones, and I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm being nice. Okay. So, um, so <laughs> Everyone's always afraid of not being nice. As a cooking teacher, you know, you, um, I always had about 24 students in the class, eight mm-hmm. stations of four. And you go around and you watch people do things and you go, have you tasted this? And how's this? And let's, let's, you know, it'd be a little bit easier if you did this or whatever. And I can't tell you how many times I have come across somebody standing there with a box grater with a carrot just like perpendicular to it, trying to grate it. Yeah, think about that for a second. Okay. Yeah, like the little end of the carrot, like the tiny, straight, straight, in, straight in. Just gonna get that and, half a centimeter <laughs> at a time. <laughs> and, and I always, you know, like the fifth time this happened to me, I would be like, I can't believe this is happening again. <laughs> so, and I very gently go over and go, "Hi, <laughs> I think you would have more fun if you did it." on its side and they're like oh (laughs) so but on its side won't you get really long strings of carrot or do you mean like at at an angle at an angle yeah at an angle at an angle okay about 45 is nice but um but that's that's you see people do some very odd things sure um, yeah, especially if they're taking a class, maybe. I mean, what are, what's the skill level of these classes back then? Well, mixed. When, oh, okay. Always mixed. So yeah. you had yeah people who knew a lot, people who knew little. People who knew a little and people who didn't know anything. Oh, okay. Well, then <laughs> perpendicular carrot yeah, folk. Yeah, perpendicular carrot. <laughs> I am going to confess, I probably grate carrots that way. Like that maybe, straight? No, not straight, no. but probably like I do do the pointy end. Yeah, but because, angle's fine. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, if it's straight perpendicular, carrot like this, like that's, that's never gonna so, get anywhere. It's so sad. It would have taken them all morning. It's so sad. <laughs> it's so sad. Yeah. So I'll make the note when yeah. I make the carrot cake. Do it yeah. at an angle. Yeah. Hey. Yay. Is there anything else you want to share, or that you you're not you're shaking your head with your whole body? No. Okay. Well, I'm so grateful that you came here. Thank you so much. It was lovely to talk bread and yeast and bacteria with you. Yeah. And um, everyone, go read Cynthia's book. It's called Sourdough on the Rise. Boom. How to make no? How to confidently make whole grain sourdough? breads at home if you're wondering why i read that so slowly it's because it's upside down and i was too proud to turn it around so thank you so much again the book comes out on the 15th you said of october 15th Mm -hmm. of october (gasps) that's when this new season drops on the 15th of october i like to invite my guests at the end of each episode to musically arm fart with me (laughs) you're so delicate (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's all right. I can do this. Okay. <laughs> You're doing the two-thumbed approach I've never seen before. I needed to. It's gusty. I couldn't reach this up here. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Well, not to brag, but I musically arm fart a lot. You are way ahead of me. <laughs> That's going to be my book. Next October 15th will be how to fart, arm fart. <laughs> that was a pretty good one. That was a good one. It's kind of like a little doggy that looks at you out of the top of their eyes. Did you hear that? Yeah. What was that? I don't was know that what me? that was. <laughs> That's like a spooky one. (laughs) (laughs) It was a ghost fart. (laughs) Thank you for coming, Cynthia. Okay, bye. bye.